Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cut out pass. Well read, and this should be its game set and match for the Glasgow Warriors. Glasgow Warriors have uh, broken that long line of defeats with a well-deserved win here over the Cardiff Blues. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. On the breakfast show, we are looking forward to Scotland's third, fourth playoff against Ireland in the Autumn Nations Cup. What an exciting game to look forward to. I can barely contain myself. But to help me do so is the doer negative um, tones of Alan. How are you, bud? Yeah, good. Just just been, been cleaning up sort of massive poo this morning. Not mine, Freya's, but uh, yeah, no, good little start to the day and then jumping on the pod. What an absolute treat for, uh, for everyone to hear about that. So thanks very much, Matt. Um, have you been dealing with any um, feces this morning? Uh, not, not yet. Not, not such an exciting start to the to the day, uh, unfortunately. Aside from obviously being able to dissect the Scotland team, which is exactly what we're going to come on to do. Um, before we do that, quick reminder: you can follow us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram Thistle underscore Rugby underscore Pod. Uh, you can also send us an email: the Thistle Rugby at gmail dot com and. Always, always, always subscribe to our newsletter on Substack, the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Get on that and we will be in your inbox every single week, mostly, which is pretty good. So um, enjoy that. Um, before we get into the team, which is obviously the big talking point today, Scotland's game on Saturday lunchtime against Ireland, there are a couple bits of news which we'll take through. Um, I'll come to you, uh, Matt, first. Gregor Townsend looks like he is set to renew his contract uh, as Scotland head coach through to the next World Cup. How are you feeling about that? You're yeah, pretty good, I think. I think uh, he's done a, 
a pretty good job overall, I think, particularly the last six nations, Scotland coming away with with three wins and seemingly finding a way of, of winning sort of tight games without necessarily playing the best rugby. We've been okay so far in the Autumn Nations Cup. Be interesting to see what happens against Ireland, but I think he he deserves the contract extension and I think it's good to have that sort of stability going into the the next World Cup overall. Alan, tune out. No, I mean, I guess kind of the, the Six Nations were a little bit framed like this is either tuning out or tuning extension. And I guess if you're sort of using that as um, the guide, the fact that we got three wins out of five and, and got um, the away wins in sort of Italy and Wales feels like Tuni sort of passed that hurdle after obviously a, a pretty disappointing World Cup. And I think, you know, ultimately he had a contract up till 2021. So extending it out till the next World Cup sort of makes you know, quite a lot of sense. And it feels like ultimately Tuni's done enough to show that he's um, he should be given sort of at least that opportunity, I guess. It's uh, benef. So no, I think it's all. I think it all looks good. Finn, Finn Russell stuff's all sorted now, so that's all good. Tuni can stay. We're all fine. Well, he certainly courted controversy with a couple of his picks this weekend, and Twitter has not been kind to him. But to be fair, when has it ever been? Um, other quick little bits of news this summer and autumn fixtures for next year have been. Um, announced Romania and Georgia in the summer. Lads, Bucharest away. How are we feeling about that? Can't wait. Uh, you know, there's, there's chat that we might be organising a, a friend's stag do to go there, which I think would be, uh, even though he's not a Scottish rugby fan, but uh, I think that would be, we'd be class. Uh, I mean, it, it's interesting because I suppose the, the home nations organise these kind of tours to to maybe sort of North America or uh, or somewhere in Europe when there's a Lions tour on, um, because I suppose there's not much point in going to to, to one of the Tri Nations um, giants. <laughs> Obviously, Scotland maybe do- doesn't have the same problem, but you know I think it'd be good to to go there. Hopefully, get a couple of sort of morale boosting wins and. I think it's good that Scotland are, are going to those sort of nations and, you know, for, for I suppose, the, the, the greater good of of world rugby as well. I was, uh, I was having a look in Bucharest to see whether there was um, a Scottish-themed pub for us to do a, a live pod in the in the summer. And there, there isn't actually a Scottish-themed themed pub. However, what I did find is there is a St Andrew's Scottish pub in a Romanian town called Sibiu, which is like a hundred thousand person town, two hours northwest of uh, Bucharest, which got me thinking that the person who's opened that Scottish pub is definitely like, it, 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 like uh, running away against the law. Like he, like whoever is opening a pub in a remote Romania, a Scottish pub in a remote Romanian t- town, is like completely mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, but no, so like no, no natural venue for us to. To, to operate from but maybe you know if the stag doesn't go maybe we have our first ever live pod in Bucharest I think absolutely it's a shame that they didn't um, that they don't have a, a venue for us 
But um, maybe we should go to Sibiu. That sounds good. You know, a couple hours outside of town, bus tour into Bucharest. Be absolutely wild. <laughs> and well, so obviously that's Romania and then Georgia, fairly standard fare now. We go to Tbilisi every year, it seems. Um, but then coming in the autumn, quite an interesting matchup. Um, two of the three fixtures announced so far, Australia and South Africa coming to to Murrayfield in the autumn with the third to be um, to be named. Obviously, that's world champion South Africa and, and a sort of resurgent Dave Rennie's Australia. How do you think Scotland can feel about um, welcoming those two, Matt? I think particularly South Africa would be a huge test, but I think, you know, in, in recent get, uh, fixtures between the two, Scotland have, have actually done pretty well. It, it's a good test, I suppose, of Townsend's new style of kind of a bit more direct, a bit more forward-orientated play, if that if that continues to be the, the case. Australia, I think, is a very winnable match. We've had a very good record against them recently, although I do feel they're in a slightly stronger position with... Dave Rennie coming in than they were sort of towards the end of the the Cheka uh, era when they seemed to sort of fall off a cliff slightly and then you know wait and see who the third team is Pro- probably one of the Islander teams but but I think overall that's a pretty good mix of, of fixtures with I suppose different challenges for that Scotland will face. Interesting, I I, I couldn't. I, I knew we'd be seen in South Africa over the last sort of 10, 15 years at home, but I can remember it was back in sort of 2010, so over yeah, yeah, yeah. over 10 years ago. Mm. But, uh, was that Nicky Walker, the Springbok killer? <laughs> I can't actually remember. Just that, remember. Was, that was earlier. That was... Was that 2002, I think? I think that must have been, a bit, that must been a bit earlier. I think Red Path was still playing then. I remember going to that game, actually. Yeah, no, Budge Poutney and Nicky Walker scored in 2002. Yeah, that, that was the big and one. Gordon Ross steering the ship from 10 with Brendan Laney and Andy Craig in the centres. Oh, absolutely. Un- unbelievable squad. That was when South Africa were sort of under Rudolf Strelly and going absolutely nowhere. <laughs> we played at the right time. Yeah. But no, it's um, trying to see when the who who scored in the the Scotland match. Wasn't that when Richie Vernon had that little break and then got absolutely smashed? Yeah, by yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. but no, I mean, it, I don't know. I, it's you, you always feel it. You, I, I still feel at home. The a gr- Scotland still have a much better opportunity to beat South Africa than New Zealand. It still feels like New Zealand hold this place that's, you know, just all to, just that step above when it comes to when it comes to sort of um, Scotland games. I don't know if you guys agree. It sort of feels that like the the variation of performance that you know you can get South Africa just having a bad day, and if you shut them down doing the sort of big physical stuff, and they you know don't quite get it going elsewhere you know, you can sort of contain them a little bit, whereas, like, the variation in New Zealand performances is usually only, like, a couple of percent, and they've got a sort of all-court game that's quite difficult to manage, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I, as I mean, look, six Dan Park penalties and a Dan Park's drop goal. Pretty sweet. God, I wish we could go back to those days. When was that? Know, 2010. 
Oh, yeah. Well, let's not um, spend too much time reveling in the past. We'll, of course, look forward to those games when they arrive in the autumn and pray that there's been enough vaccines swilling around the veins of Scottish people that we can all sit in Murrayfield together for that. Um, but let's look ahead to the task in hand. Third, fourth playoff of the um, Autumn Nations Cup um, at the Aviva on Saturday, Scotland versus Ireland. And I think it's fair to say that Gregor Townsend's um, team has caused a little bit of consternation, a couple of decisions, um, but I'll take you through it now and then we can talk about them. It's Rory Sutherland returning from injury, Fraser Brown and Xander Ferguson up front, Scott Cummings and Johnny Gray now looking very familiar in the second row together. Interesting back row, Blade Thompson, Jamie Ritchie and Matt Ferguson. Ali Price and debutant Jakob van der Valt, um, at halfbacks. Duncan Taylor, Chris Harris in the centres and then a back three, which is super tasty, of Duhan, Darcy and Stuart Hogg. Alan, let's just take it head on. Where the hell is Duncan Weir? Well, it's kind of it's just sort of a bit difficult with this because, you know, I, I do think Tooney was quite up front on the fact that he was looking at rotation throughout the squad. And I I think even us at the start were saying that, you know, ultimately the the main outcome of this, you know, the main objective is to win, but there is a secondary objective of getting players game time and getting um, players kind of working sort of combinations together. And I think ultimately it feels like this is a good opportunity to cap Jacko. It's a good opportunity to get him a bit of game time and to kind of learn something about him. And it feels like there was more to more to learn and to kind of probably gain from having Jacko in the team versus, and it's always difficult because Dunkey Ware is, is such like a, just a generally sort of great guy. Um, but I, I think rather than it being this big like, oh, 1v1 and he's chosen Jacko, I think it's probably better to look at the lens of, you know, this is an opportunity to try different kind of combinations. And ultimately, Jacko hasn't had any game time, and it's good to kind of get him capped pre sort of the Six Nations, the Southern Internationals. I agree, Matt. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's you know, in an ideal world, you probably wouldn't be giving Jacko his debut, his international debut against Ireland away from home with centres that he's never played with and even at, you know, a line that he's never played with. But obviously he only qualifies, you know, now for this, for this match. So there's, there's not, there's nothing you can do about that. I I think, I think you're right. I think, you know, tens a position that if, as has been shown, if, if Russell and Hastings go down, we, we do have Weir, but maybe the past few weeks have shown that he's just not quite at that level, particularly against the bigger teams. I, I increasingly feel the, the Austin Nations Cup, whether Scotland finished third or fourth, as Alan says, you obviously want to win that game, but it's not the end of the world if you do finish fourth. So it feels like a a, a pretty good time to, to try someone new who c- could be that, extra standoff option going through to the next World Cup. I, d- I don't know if this is just me not sort of reading the full kind of interview with Tooney, but it feels like, you know, the narrative, a lot of people have been like, has where been dropped or is it rotation? And, and there doesn't seem to be, you know, in this sort of Twitter world or online, 
a lot of clarity around what what of those two is. And I wonder whether it would have just eased a lot of these issues if Tooney had come out and been like, oh, you know, we're rotating Jacko in, Ware's done well, but we want to try and, you know, we're using this to do sort of um, different things. Yeah. Um, I think it's just sort of hit people in the gut. We were just all getting used to seeing Duncan Weir back and kind of loving it, just like the personality and his hair. But his hair is kind of being replicated by Duncan Taylor, who's been brought in sort of at 12. I mean, we've talked about Duncan a lot on this pod, very popular, extremely talented player. But have we seen any signs of that sort of 2017, 2018 player in any of the sort of the flashes that we've seen from him recently, Alan? Um, I mean, probably not. I still, th- I still think, you know, on the whole, for the, the moments he's had for Saracens at the back end of the season, there has been sort of, there is enough to show that there is that kind of quality player there. But I think you're right in the sense it's probably not enough to potentially justify being kind of jettisoned into the sort of Scotland starting team. Although I would say that it's not like Johnson's really been tearing trees up and there's not really anyone else across both the kind of Scotland pro teams are operating within the premiership who plays at 12 that's potentially kind of um, offering that much either. I like just think off the top of my head. How, how can you speak about the sweet prince in that, in that manner? Oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> the sweet prince is is going through a transition period. This this isn't the right time for it. <laughs> yeah. Six nations, Six Nations, 2021, then Lions, 2021. That's his moment. He needs time. I I think you're right on on Taylor. Obviously, he's just had such a a bad uh, run of luck with injuries, but I think in those sort of high-profile Saracens games that he did play in the Champions Cup, for instance. I think it was the it was the semi, semi-final or quarter-final. Yeah. Uh, when he sort of put that nice offload in for... for uh, well, quarter-final uh, against Leinster. Sorry? Quarter-final against yeah, Leinster. Exactly. You kind of thought, right, he's looking pretty sharp. And and I wonder if, you know, having Yako at 10... It, Helps to have someone's ex- someone like Taylor with his experience outside him, and an Ali Price who's more experienced inside him as well. I think Daniel Taylor is, is such a great idea if he works because you know he he can do it all. He's a good distributor. He's good in defence. He he can ask questions in in attack. It, it's just whether you know he he is, I suppose match fit in, in an international way it's also a bit weird that he's going to be going back and playing in the championship <laughs> as well or I guess they, they've not even sort of officially announced what the uh, what the championship schedule is but I guess there's him and him and Maitland are still relatively sort of unclear on what that club rugby schedule is for the next sort of six to six to eight months it, um, it looks the first championship might not go ahead there's clubs are in complete disarray and then the Saracens obviously have so many internationals particularly from from England I'm not quite sure how they're going to manage that the um it's, it's an interesting one with um with that point around having sort of Duncan Taylor and Price almost kind of um 
sitting around sort of Jacko. I think actually, even if we go back to the summer, we probably wouldn't talk. I, I'm still not sure whether we would talk about Price in that sort of language of him being this almost kind of ex- experienced player that's helping kind of ease in sort of a, a more um, kind of I'm just trying to think the right word, but like less experienced kind of um, yeah. colleague. And it probably does, you know, I think even we look back to sort of six, nine months ago in the sort of, sorry, in the Six Nations, we were having that debate quite a lot about whether it was Price or George Horn. And it's it's quite unexpectedly, actually. I, I thought it might go the other way, but actually Price has really sort of seen his stock risen. And I think during the Autumn Internationals has, to be fair, really sort of stepped up into that kind of more experienced role. And actually Horn, I feel, sort of struggling to kind of find his identity a little bit and kind of like what his role is, both within kind of probably the Glasgow and the sort of Scotland setup. Well, Horn's going Horn's gonna to have no, I think, no game time at all. Or did he play the first game against Georgia off the bench? No, he, but, he, he didn't. So he's That's essentially... Really he's, I, either way, it, it feels that Sam Hidalgo Klein, has, his return has sort of... He's had the, the most minutes off the bench on the... Uh, for Scotland, obviously there was the Scott Steele experiment as well in the big win against um, against Wales. He came on and played on the wing, obviously. Um, but the resurgence of Sam Hidalgo Klein is is kind of what we all hoped might happen when he signed that deal, kind of out of nowhere at Exeter. Horn is injured. I think he has been the last couple of weeks, which maybe points to the fact. I, I imagine he would have got some game time considering Townsend has been rotating players. But obviously, as you yeah. said, Hidalgo Klein's stock has, has increased massively under, under Townsend. And, and we were talking about this, this yesterday. I think if, if Sam Hidalgo Klein can take the nine jersey, make the nine jersey his own and start for Exeter, which I think he can do because I look at that Exeter team and I, I think Jack Mondo, the, the current nine, is a good player but not a great player. So there's definitely scope for Hidalgo Klein to move into that starting jersey. I think, you know, starting at nine for the English and European champions, there's there's no reason why he shouldn't actually be pushing Ali Price for that starting jersey. Granted, I think Ali Price has played very well recently, but I, I think it could happen. And and you know, that's that's good for, for the overall competition in that position, but just shows how quickly Hidalgo Klein's uh, sort of international career and, and club career, I suppose, as well, has, has turned around in the space of sort of six months. Absolutely, from journeyman to potential starter. But speaking of another extra man, um, Alan, what does what does Sam Skinner have to do to get a um, a start for Scotland? Um, I mean, I, he, he, to be fair, he obviously did have quite a long period of injury, so I think. Um, but I have to admit, I was probably surprised that when we, when you said, I think we were on the WhatsApp group, when people were chatting about um, Watson being injured, it felt like he was sort of the natural man to sort of step up and take that sixth role. And as he hadn't had much game time, it kind of felt like, you know, the right opportunity to kind of rotate him in. Um, but clearly they sort of quite like what Blade offers. And I don't know, I think, again... Maybe, you know, a little bit like Duncan Taylor, actually. I can kind of, like, I like the idea of Blade Thompson and, you know, actually in, in pockets, especially against Wales, 
there was moments where you could see what he potentially can bring in terms of his kind of ball carrying ability and potentially you know what he can offer especially kind of out in the sort of outside center kind of channel but there just isn't that consistency to to his performance and it potentially felt against that Irish pack who you know whilst you know aren't at the level they were even probably like a year and a half or two years ago you still they're still pretty big and aggressive and bulky and having someone like Sam Skinner who brings you a lot of those traits potentially quite a good good person to have it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah, I agree. And I think I would be less surprised to see Thompson at eight, maybe, because I think, you know, Matt Ferguson did very well against France, but that jersey is still maybe slightly up for grabs. I'm just quite surprised to see him playing at six. And obviously he, he has played at six in the past, but when, you, when you've got someone like Sam Skinner there who has played that position quite a lot and just seems more suited to that workhorse six rather than Thompson, who you think his strengths are with ball in hand, for instance, it, it seems like a, a slightly odd selection. I, I actually almost would have been a bit more interested to see someone like Blair Cowan start there because he he seems to have been brought into the camp for his ability around the breakdown. And I think where Scotland have done well recently is when you've had Richie and Watson winning turnovers, forcing penalties, working in tandem. So it's, it's a bit of an odd one, but maybe Thompson's just been told, you know, that today's just a day purely for, for sort of work rate for doing the the simple bits and you know the the carrying is secondary leave up to to Matt Fagerson. Perhaps, 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 and we'll have to see how um, how Blade goes um, on Saturday. But it's very encouraging to see Rory Sutherland bouncing back from what looked like a um, serious injury when he went off um, a couple of weeks ago. That front five that's been named Sutherland, Brown, Fagerson, Cummings, and Gray that feels to me like the strongest we've got and should be quite a settled unit now for Scotland. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's probably the first time that I can remember where we've got a pretty set front five. And then even sort of looking at the bench, I guess if you think about who's coming on to replace that front five, if it's 
again, McAnally, Nell, Kebble, Skinner. It's pretty, pretty banging. There's not much kind of, a, there's not really a, a great drop off in, um, in form. And, and actually, especially that front three of McAnally, Kebble and Nell, they all sort of bring, they all sort of bring something to the table in that kind of last sort of 25 minutes, whether it's Nell from just sort of a pure sort of scrummaging perspective, McAnally, the loose or sort of Kebble just being able to like murder people. Um, kind of running off nine. So I think it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a really nice sort of, um, kind of, um, situation to have, I think. And I think, you know, ultimately it's, it's all about sorting out that, the composition of that back row, I think, for, for Tunia at the moment and sorting out the wider back line. I think you're right. And perhaps somebody who can drop into that backline. Um, the return of Hugh Jones to um, Scotland Rugby, he stepped up onto the bench. A reward for, well, very strong Glasgow form, but then I guess a reward for performances in camp because he's not he hasn't played any rugby for during this whole sort of tournament time. Um, actually, that's not true. He got the um, interception against Cardiff last week for um, Glasgow to win. So, I'll say that again, a reward for good form. Where do you think Hugh will actually be used when he comes off the bench? Assuming no injuries, do you think he's coming on at 13? I think so. I I, I can't really see a situation where you're going to sub Hogg for him. You know, if Hogg goes down, then you've got Maitland on the bench to come in, for instance, and Hogg probably would play the full 80 I suppose Jones does cover twelve as well, although some people will sort of, uh, you know, debate that. But I think most likely position is is thirteen, and I, you know, I quite like the look of that. If you've got Taylor and and Jones in the centre with Duhan and and Graham outside them, like that looks pretty tasty for me. You know, a, a lot of it will depend on how the game goes, but if it starts to break up a bit, he's. He's such a great guy to to bring off the bench, and I think looking at the Irish midfield, it's really solid. And there's there's some good players in there, so it'd be Henshaw and Aki. But you kind of back Hugh Jones's pace and attack against those guys. As I say, if it's later on in the game and things have, have broken up a bit, so I I really like seeing him there at the bench. It it kind of maybe shows a bit more of an attacking. Uh, ambition than than we've got used to in, in recent months. But I, I, I get one of the things I was sort of contemplating on is the fact that there's not many players who have played every single game in this autumn international series. You know, including Georgia and the South Wales game in Six Nations. But Chris Harris has played every started at thirteen in every single match, and you know, I guess I guess two of the interesting things from that are a Clearly, Tooney hasn't felt the need to do any rotation at outside centre. You know, obviously, there's been a few people coming in at in, inside centre, but Harris has been really that stalwart at 13. And, you know, I guess, you know, secondly, I, it, it clearly shows that Tooney really likes having Harris there, right? And clearly values him in, in that sort of position. I guess, you know, imagine from what we've seen sort of defensively, does appear to have brought kind of an increased sort of um, level of um, performance. But it's just interesting that, you know, he's 
chosen to have that kind of consistency across the across the five matches. I can't think of any other position. I don't think in the team potentially apart from Cummings, who's played every single match across the office. High price. Price actually, yeah, that is fair. Uh, Have played every game? The uh, we can have we, maybe we used to have we check afterwards, but it's, there's there's clearly been a couple. There's only been a few where they've sort of retained because you can see obviously in the back three they've been sort of rotating sort of people in and out um, just because there is just that level of competition um, and same with sort of the back three and a little bit across the front three. Um, but I think. You know, coming off the back of this autumn internationals, on the assumption as well that Harris doesn't have a complete nightmare. You know, again, it feels like if anything, he's probably reaffirmed his role as that sort of starting outside centre for Scotland. Well, there's a sentence that will make everybody on social media absolutely um, delighted. Um, I, was, I was posing it more as a question than a statement. Yeah, you're just going to clear up your mentions <laughs> for later. <laughs> um, Matt, you talked a little bit about the um, Ireland uh, midfield there. Um, the Ireland squad is out. Um, I think your um, your comment on the WhatsApp group is this is a better team than Scotland. Um, would you like to elaborate on that? <laughs> well, thanks for letting me in it. Yeah, I think on on paper, I just kind of looked at a few key areas, and I think that. I don't think the Ireland front row is is that great because you don't have Furlong, for instance, and I think Healy is getting towards the end of his career. But the back five of that pack with the likes of Henderson, Ryan, Stander, Omani, I just feel like are, are guys who have gotten very used to beating Scotland down the years. And then you look at halfback as well of Murray and Sexton, and you can say the same. Centres, very defensively solid. I suppose Aki's decent in attack. Uh, and the back three, I don't think, actually think is, is that great. But I, I just think you know, we know what Ireland are going to do. They're going to try and bludgeon Scotland to death. And I think they're going to back themselves to basically bully Scotland. I kind of think they do have the players to 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 do that. May bully is a strong word, but I think they they have the edge in in the pack slightly. So I I just think that's that's where I see Ireland's strengths, and you know I wouldn't be surprised if they get a good platform to see Murray and Sexton sort of guiding them around the pitch pretty effectively. But then again. You know, in the start, you know, I did counter my point of saying that the Ireland team is better by saying that in the Six Nations match at the start of the year, actually, if you look at the Ireland team, it was a pretty similar pack, and Scotland managed to to front up to to that challenge. So maybe I'm being a bit, or I'm sort of giving a bit too much credit to that to that Ireland team. Does feel like you know even sort of broadening out a little bit that the Irish players, both across internationals and club, are just so used to beating Scotland teams in general. Like I mean, you know, especially the sort of the start of this year, the back end of last year, just Ulster, Munster, and Leinster's sort of record against Glasgow and Edinburgh. It's just their very sort of consummate. But um, I guess what I guess you know, and it's an area that we admittedly don't have much sort of 
um, of a strength in. But I guess that front three, you know, feels, you know, to your point, if they've not got sort of um, Tag Furlan in the team, it feels like that's an opportunity for us to try and attack. I guess it's not our best potential sort of scrummaging front three, but with kind of Rory Sullivan in there and kind of what he was able to do in the last game against Scotland Ireland, you imagine they're probably kind of eyeing up that as like an opportunity to at least try and put some pressure on, on Ireland, try and get some penalties. For sure. It's going to be a very interesting um, battle up front. I noticed, Alan, that you you described the front row as a front three, and then you've got two back threes, the back row and the back three. It's quite um, it's quite interesting to listen to. Well, they're, they're groups of threes, aren't they? You've got, on a rugby pitch, you've got three threes and three twos. You've got a front three, a middle, you've got a front three, a middle two, a back three of the scrum. You've got... 9, 10, 12, 13, they are back through the backs. I'm really excited about starting to call the second row the middle two. <laughs> exactly. The back, <laughs> the, so the centre is the, the back line two. Yeah. So I guess in the backs you might have the front two, the middle two, and the back three. And then the forwards, you've got the front three, the middle two, and the back three. Literally, what you're talking about. <laughs> I think uh, the break the breakfast show is getting to us all, so we can probably begin to wrap it up there. Let's just do a couple minutes on um, the pro teams. Glasgow obviously getting a win, and then they've got the Dragons coming up this weekend. Um, Alan, do you think Glasgow are turning a bit of a corner? Do you think it's just a favourable fixture list? I think the the fixture list has has sort of got a little bit a little bit better. I think you know ultimately. Glasgow did have a little period of having a pretty terrible sort of run of games. And um, but even even saying that, you know, ultimately the Glasgow-Cardiff game wasn't of the sort of highest quality. And I think ultimately it, took, it, was, all, it was pretty tight until you sort of saw, obviously, Jones kind of had an opportunistic kind of uh, interception try. I think... You know, obviously, what you want is sort of going in, beat the Dragons this weekend. It sort of leaves you in sort of an okay spot going into kind of the next, uh, going into the next set of sort of Pro 14 games, and then I don't know, extra away in a in a week's time is going to be ex- extra having conceded a try in their first two games and are sort of putting everyone to the sword. <laughs> I'm a bit concerned about how a Glasgow team where a lot of the players have sort of come off the back of four or five international games are going to do against against that exercise, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, even with Glasgow's strongest team, they're expecting to be Exeter. But I think the, the good thing about just even that Cardiff game was just the, the difference that even someone like Lee Jones coming in, who obviously hadn't played for so long, and he did seem to make a big difference. And, and that was from the wing. And you kind of obviously we've we've talked about how many players Glasgow have injured and on international duty, but if you can kind of get you know even Lee Jones back in, Nakarawa hopefully coming back, Richie Gray starting to play again, I think that that should make a big difference to to Glasgow. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think you know once you get those internationals back and once you sort of drop in as you said Nakarawa. Um, Gray and 
and, and, and Lee Jones, it's interesting, like, Lee Jones, I think, even would admit himself, he's not sort of, you know, this natural sort of specimen, but he's just like an athlete. And clearly, you know, he's now, what, in his sort of early early 30s. And I think you're right. He just sort of knows how to, those sort of kind of mid-tier Pro 14 games, he's clearly just like so comfortable in. And even off sort of like a long layoff, is able to like come in and, and really sort of kind of stand out. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, and then Edinburgh sort of trundled along the sort of the opportunity for revenge against Ulster post sort of semi final didn't really didn't really go to plan, did it? No, I think it certainly went um, enormously um, against the plan. I guess it's difficult to to put a finger finger on Edinburgh. I sort of I was looking back at our Twitter feed like a few weeks ago. It was like, oh, Edinburgh is so much better than Glasgow. Then like Glasgow get a win, and you're thinking actually Glasgow looked like a better prospect than Edinburgh. I just think the pro teams are in such a they get hit so hard at these um these international periods and it seems to have doubled up with injuries at the time and um uh, it's really difficult. But I'm a um a founding member of the Jack Blaine um fan club. His two tries against Ulster were kind of the only high point. Yeah, I think you need to sort of take those any, any positives you can at the moment. But it's just, you know, Ulster having Kutsia at eight versus, you know, a young guy like Ali Miller who has ultimately been sort of parachuted in from the from the sevens and and Edinburgh having to rely on a few of those kind of players. It's just yeah, it's not really a fair contest, I suppose. I I think though that you know, considering we we would have said at the start of the season that Edinburgh have better depth than Glasgow, it's it's still been not great to see how much they they have struggled. But you know, it, it Edinburgh do make up more of that Scotland team now than than they used to. So it's sort of whoever whoever's providing most teams to the national team obviously will get hit the hardest during that sort of international period. And they've got La Rochelle and Sale coming up and as part of their um, their Champions Cup. It's good to, good to see them back at the uh, the top table of European rugby. And I said, well, once you drop in that, essentially the Scotland pack, um, they do look like a different proposition. Um, right, that'll do us for this morning's breakfast show. Um, everybody enjoy Scotland, uh, Ireland um, with um, England's favourite broadcaster, Amazon Prime on um, Saturday lunchtime. We will be tweeting the game, so follow us at Thistle Rugby Pod, and there will be some memes over on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter. We'll be doing that, dropping into your inbox early next week. That's on Substack, Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. And if you just want to have a bit of a rant, get yourself on into the mailbag, thethistlerugby at gmail.com. Should we just do a quick prediction? Oh, we should do a quick prediction. This is a real test for all the absolute ultras that listen to us into the final minute. Um, I think Ireland will win by seven to ten points to start us off on a negative. <laughs> I was going to say the exact same thing, actually, so there you go. Oh, my God. We've left it to Alan to give some positivity, fuck's sake. Uh, Ireland by 15. 15? <laughs> uh, yeah. Ireland by, by not much. All right. Well, on that extremely positive note, we will be back with you next week. Have a good day, guys. See ya. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.